Hey y'all, it's your girl Naisha Stone, and you're listening to the Carved in Stone podcast, where our positive news articles come to life. Now let's get into the episode. Hey y'all, it's Tuesday, which means we're back with another Carved in Stone podcast. Before I get into the episode, I wanted to say Happy New Year's. It's 2024. I forgot to mention that in the last week. So, hey, y'all. Um, I was on social media, and I saw someone post that if you're just not planning your goals for the year, it's too late. Don't listen to that. As long as you're still alive, you can always make changes and make new goals. Um, You never know what's going to happen. So don't listen to all that. Forget social media. Just wanted to say that. Now, with that being said, I want to bring in our next guest, who I think I've interviewed at least like five times throughout my journalism career, something like that. He went from being my alderman to like the man of the city. So I would like to introduce the Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Happy New Year. And you're right. As long as you're living, you can keep on planning. See, yeah. Happy New Year. Um, How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing excellent, uh, actually. I feel really, really good. Uh, it's a new year. I'm actually officially uh, in an election year uh, now. My own re-election is coming up too, and we're rocking and rolling and ready to go. Well, let's hop right into that. Um, How do you prepare for a re-election? I know it's really tough just to like get elected overall, but like, do you start fundraising first? Do you just announce it? Like, like what's the preparation to get started on this, like this journey? Yeah. I mean, there's a, you know, somebody had the, the, the saying that if you, um, you know, if you haven't planned your, uh, goals for the year that you're already behind or you shouldn't do it or whatever that you just talked about. Um, there's another, and that's inaccurate. Uh, I think another saying that is accurate is uh, if you stay ready, then you don't have to get ready. Um, uh, and that's not to say that, you know, uh, you know, we phoned it in or anything like that. We haven't. I take this stuff very, very seriously. Um, but the way that we get ready for it is by staying ready, you know. So, um, you know, obviously we do work in the city of Milwaukee every single day to serve folks all across the city. But then I also work uh, pretty consistently uh, on my campaign uh, as well, uh, building that up and making sure we have the resources to run successfully um, in in this you know, re-election or the initial election or the election that will come after that. So um, there's just constant effort, constant effort, knowing that you always have to improve. Um, and that's that's how you make sure you're in a position to run and win. So it doesn't matter what career you're in, always stay ready. I've literally learned that like years ago. So you're the 45th mayor of Milwaukee, right? That's, I think. Uh, I, I think so. I mean, I think I, I, I think, think that's what I googled, but I wasn't for sure. And then, like, you're like the fourth <laughs> mayor in the last sixty-two years, which is crazy to me. So, can the mayor just constantly be be the mayor as long as they keep getting reelected, or is there like a limit to it? No, you're correct. Mayors can continue to serve in Milwaukee uh, as long as they uh, are reelected by the people uh, of the city. So, um, the, the former mayor was elected five times. Um, uh, in the city. And he wasn't even, you know, uh, the mayor who was elected uh, uh, the most of of uh, mayors in the city of Milwaukee. So um, you can continue to serve as long as the voters will have you. That's interesting. When we were at Carol Meekins, um, her retirement party, I found out how old you are. You're only 10 years older than me. And that is just so crazy to me. <laughs> I'm like, so what could I be doing in 10 years? So that's amazing. So for you to be 37 and the mayor um, of the city of Milwaukee, how does that feel for you and what impact do you want to leave um, within this position? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, how does it feel to me? I mean, it feels uh, uh, amazing. 
Um, and it's very humbling to be in a position like this to serve my hometown. I mean, I was born here. I was raised here, went to Milwaukee public schools, lived in some of the more challenged uh, neighborhoods or neighborhoods that have the most promised opportunity uh, in the city of Milwaukee. And to now be in this position, uh, having, you know, uh, run for office previously after graduating from college and being a first generation college student, uh, after having served uh, in the mayor's office as a staffer, after having served as a member of the county council, after having served as a city council president, now uh, having the opportunity to be mayor. It's really, really a humbling, humbling opportunity to serve people across the entire city of Milwaukee. And um, some of the things I want to leave behind here, like I want to have a city that is stronger, that is safer, and that's more prosperous for everybody. I mean, that's the, those are the goals that I laid out when I initially uh, ran for this office. And I think we're laying a foundation to do that now. Uh, we have over the, over the course of the last, the last two years. I want to build on those things uh, over the course of the, the next term, the next four years, uh, and uh, hopefully in the years beyond that as well. Um, I think Milwaukee has so much promise. Uh, it, it really, really does. Uh, this is a city that I believe uh, can grow and can uh, be the best city, not just here in Wisconsin, uh, in the Midwest, but in the United States. Uh, and I want to work to make sure we realize our potential. Um. So I want to get into the sales tax, but not right now. But one of the questions I have is, how are you able to keep your head straight when you know you have to make decisions for the city and people that look just like you who don't necessarily always agree with your decision. So like the sales tax, a lot of people are angry about it. Um, and we'll like, we'll get into that, but like, how do you still like, okay, this is like the, for the betterment of the city. Like, how do you mentally like deal with those things? I know with the mayor, you probably take a lot of stuff that you can't publicly talk about. Yeah. You know, that's what leadership is about, right? It's about making decisions. And look, I, I understand that as the mayor of the city of Milwaukee, right? The mayor of the largest, most diverse, uh, most economically important city in the entire state of Wisconsin, the 30th or 31st largest city uh, in the United States, that every decision that I make, um, there's going to be people who uh, applaud that decision and there are going to be people, be people uh, who don't. Uh, every time you say yes to, to, to one person, you're saying effectively no uh, to another person or another group of people. I realize that, and that's what comes with the territory. So I, I'm comfortable uh, in that, and that's what the people elected me to do. They elected me to make uh, difficult decisions, uh, and that's what I do in this job every single day. Um, since being elected, what is one decision that you've made, or even there's a couple or whatever, that you are very proud of that you feel like is really impacting the city? Yeah, you know, um, there, there are a number uh, of decisions that I've made that I think that have positively impacted the city. I mean, even the the, the sales tax, I know we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit, not because, you know, I'm interested in a new tax, um, like no elected official uh, uh, or somebody interested in running for office is interested in raising taxes. But I think the future of Milwaukee, had we not done that, was a bleak one. Um, and so as difficult as it was, I'm glad that we made it uh, so we can preserve services. And we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. Um, one of the decisions that you know, I made when I uh, became mayor uh, was looking at the issue, the issues in Milwaukee around reckless driving. Um, and we worked to create a program, a new program serving young people in Milwaukee, because I saw a news story uh, whereby uh, uh, there was a classroom of, of young men, young black men, and every one of them was asked, you know, have, have you been involved in reckless driving? Um, have you been in a stolen car? And every single hand went up. Uh, and I saw to myself a couple of years ago that we need to find a better way to engage young people. And so we started a program from scratch. It's called Camp Rise. Um, and that program engages 200 young men of color uh, every summer 
and takes them out of their neighborhood, gets them caring adult uh, mentors in their life, uh, positive male role models, uh, show, shows them the value of volunteering, shows them the value of uh, the dignity of work, uh, and that you can uh, make an honest day's wage for an honest day's work uh, and put some money in their pocket uh, that way too. Uh, and I think that's helping to, to make an impact in the lives of young people uh, in Milwaukee. I mean, we've done a lot of things you know, here that I'm really, really proud of. I think at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, when I'm no longer mayor, um, when I look back, Camp Rise will probably be the thing that I'm most proud of. Um, but it's not just that. I mean, look, look at the, the development that's going on in Milwaukee too. We used to be the manufacturing uh, uh, powerhouse uh, in the United States. Milwaukee was known as the machine shop of the world at the time. And um, while manufacturing may not be what it once was, uh, there still are great opportunities for folks to have a good paying, family supporting job in this city. And that's in the trades. And I'm the development mayor. I want to see cranes in the sky, not just downtown, but in neighborhoods across Milwaukee. Uh, I want to see uh, trenches being dug all over the city to replace uh, lead service lines. That means people are working. That means people have access to good paying family supported jobs. And I want to continue to build those things up uh, in the future. So I'm proud of all the decisions we made around uh, those things. And uh, there's more to come in the future here, too. Um, going back to the reckless driving. So you signed a resolution to crack down on reckless driving. So for one, can you explain what a resolution mean, like for you signing that? And then what you hope comes out of that? Yeah, so the resolution, so the, the, the first uh, document that I signed when I actually became mayor, um, when I was acting mayor, even before I actually won the election, uh, was uh, a, a proclamation resolution uh, to uh, declare reckless driving a public safety crisis um, in Milwaukee. And then there have been a number of uh, other uh, pieces of legislation uh, that have come forward uh, since then to continue to work to address the issue of reckless driving uh, in Milwaukee. So essentially the document that I signed, the first that I signed when I came into office here, uh, was my direction as mayor, sort of like an executive order uh, to city government department leaders to find ways, find solutions for us to be able to raise money and build out infrastructure to address the issue of reckless driving in Milwaukee, which we've been doing uh, over the course of the last uh, two years uh, here in the city of Milwaukee. Uh, some alders, uh, and particularly, uh, I want to say Alderman Westmoreland and the Fifth uh, Aldermanic District, have uh, really, you know, uh, uh, taken a strong stance on the issue of reckless driving, uh, and have worked with us uh, to get uh, additional resolutions drafted on the Common Council that I've signed, instructing uh, my lobbying team to go to uh, leaders in Madison, uh, in the state capital to uh, make sure that folks who drive recklessly, who choose, and this is what's really important, right? Folks are making the decision, they're making the choice to get behind the wheel and drive recklessly, endangering not just themselves, but the greater public safety. So if they're making those decisions uh, and endangering everybody, then what we're saying is that there ought to be a price to pay for that. Um, and so whether it's you know having their vehicles uh, towed away, uh, whether that's increasing penalties for folks uh, who make the decision to do that, you know, all those things are on the table. And that's what those uh, resolutions and proclamations do. Isn't it currently just a misdemeanor for um, like little kids? Like, like for example, like the kid boys, I was watching like that interview months ago and they were saying like, it's really just a misdemeanor when they get taken in, like they're caught for like reckless driving. Is that true? Or like what currently, like what are penalties that they get or how do they get reprimanded? Yeah. I mean, that, that that's part of the problem is that uh, sometimes when people drive recklessly or commit other acts uh, of, uh, public endangerment, that there's not uh, a proper consequence. We're saying that there ought to be a proper consequence because 
I mean, when you think about it, like if somebody does something horrible, right? If you do something you know, terrible in the community and you're not held to account, what's stopping you? What discourages you from going back out there uh, and doing it again? That's why, you know, I've been very, very consistent in my messaging as mayor since I've been in this office. You know, sometimes when you can ask an elected official something and the, the message will generally be the same, um, but uh, the, the way that they say it will be different. Yeah. Uh, you can ask me at, you know, six o'clock in the morning, you can ask me at nine o'clock at night. Uh, and I've said consistently, right, that if somebody causes death, harm or destruction in Milwaukee, there ought to be a price to pay. Right. And it, it doesn't really matter if you are you know, out there driving recklessly, you make the choice to do that. There should be a price to pay. You know, there are too many guns uh, on the streets uh, in Milwaukee and not just Milwaukee, but across the state of Wisconsin and across the United States of America. If somebody decides in this city to take a gun out and and and, and threaten somebody or hurt somebody, shoot somebody or kill somebody, then there ought to be a price to pay uh, for those actions as well. That's what I believe. And that's what I'm going to continue to talk about as long as I'm mayor of the city. Um, just a little bit more on this topic. So you brought up Camp Rise, which I think is great. But what are some things the city or organizations, individuals can do to provide more opportunities for the youth? Because me, for me personally, I believe like a lot of kids are acting out because they don't necessarily have things. Like there's still the rule at the at Mayfair um, skating. They say like you need to be 21 to like be uh, having a dog just to go skating. So what can we do as a as a community to I feel like make our young people feel like they're wanted? Because I feel like a, young, a lot of young people are like, well, don't nobody want me. So I'm just going to do whatever I want. Yeah, you know, uh, I think there's sort of a, a double-edged sword on that, right? Um, you know, when you think about Mayfair Mall and the rule, right, about having an adult that you know, accompanies you uh, when you're there, uh, that rule wasn't initially in place. I know, it happened came. once, and we never, and it literally happened once, never happened again, and I really feel like it should be taken away, because I was like 12 years old or something, uh -huh. like when, I was really young when that happened, and I'm now 27, so... I'll say that, but go yeah. ahead. <laughs> Look, I, but, but, you know, sometimes it only takes one thing to like get people to think, Hey, maybe we ought to change, you know, sort of our practices here. Right. So, you know, things like that happen or fights break out or that's, especially if that stuff becomes consistent um, or it looks like that sort of behavior is, kick, is kicking up, then folks are going to, you know, work to change you know, some of the uh, uh, requirements for having entry to those places. One of the things I say that is really, really important um, is accountability, right? Um, I just talked about that, you know, before when folks, you know, commit crimes and things like that. But we should hold each other accountable uh, as a community as well, and that includes, you know, young people who can talk to other young people and say, "Hey, you know, maybe you ought not do that, whatever that, whatever that is, because if you do, then it's going to make it difficult, more difficult for uh, me or our fellow peers to have access to to other places." So, you know, young people holding other young people uh, accountable. Uh, when or if, you know, something uh, were to happen. I think, you know, another thing that's important and Camp Rise touches on this, Earn and Learn, uh, our summer youth jobs program touches on this as well, is working to make sure that young people in Milwaukee have access to caring adult mentors who show them the way. You know, I, I always talk about the fact that I wear this this green wristband um, because I, I was involved in the mentorship program when I was a teenager here in Milwaukee. And it, the, it literally helped to put me on the path to be in this seat um, in the mayor's office right now. So making sure that we have programs and opportunities like that available to you, that thing goes a long way. So it isn't just, you know, earn and learn. It isn't just, you know, camp rise. I mean, you look at the United Neighborhood Centers of Milwaukee or UNCOM and the, 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 the youth serving organizations they have all across Milwaukee. You look at places like uh, Running Rebels uh, that uh, works to engage with young people constantly. You look at the Boys and Girls Club which in Milwaukee, we've got the largest association of boy, boys and girls clubs in the United States, right? I didn't we've know got, that. Yeah, we do. We do. 
So we've got tremendous resources right here um, in our community. And that's the other thing too, right? Um, we have to make sure that folks know about these things, push that information out to folks, um, especially our young people, and for young people to, to extend that hand back, grab hold of that hand, uh, and engage in those things too. Um, I know this is a long answer, but uh, I just want to make one more point is that uh, when I became mayor, um, because I know there's you know sometimes a disconnect uh, between you know what's out there um, and uh, young people that want to do things. So we worked with Safe and Sound um, organization to sort of like be the glue. So like last summer was our first year doing this. If you wanted to do anything in Milwaukee, right? If you're a young person who had an interest in doing something, you didn't need to go and research it or anything like that. All you needed to do was reach out to Safe and Sound. And Safe and Sound would help to be the connector, the connective tissue to get you connected with whatever it is you wanted to do. And on top of Safe and Sound doing that, uh, we started uh, this initiative called Hello Summer. We've got a, 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 a website on the city web on the city webpage uh, that's got a menu of places that young people can be engaged with. And then we also started texting out information directly uh, to people across Milwaukee. I mean, this is an election year. Folks are getting a lot of text messages, including from me. <laughs> uh, about elections coming up and all this. And my thought was, well, if you know folks running for office can send these text messages out, then we as a city should be able to send messages out too to engage people. And we started doing that just last year. So we're looking to continue to build on those things and get people connected in this community again, especially our young our young people. I think you said a, a big thing is just brand or brand awareness. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of organizations, shout out to Safe and Sound, um, they're one of our clients. Um, <laughs> but a lot of organizations are so focused on changing things in the city that they do that, but they don't ever publicize what they're actually doing. So as a marketing agency, I would say that y'all have to put funding into marketing what you're doing. I feel like a lot of there are a lot of great resources, but I live right next to the Super Spring Neighborhood Center. And until I got into college, I didn't know that was there. And I mean, it's walking distance from where I'm at. I mean, that's a, that's a, on me and my family because they didn't travel a lot. Um, but also we need they need to be canvassing. People need to be doing more brand awareness. So I do agree with you on that. So moving to topics, because I'm really interested in talking about the sales tax because I okay. agree with it and I don't agree with it. So <laughs> I get the whole point of it because honestly, we need the money. We need the services. I love the library. Um, mm -hmm. We need you know, we need safety and all of those things. But before my question is, so I was interviewing uh, retired judge uh, Derek Mosley, and he was telling me that within the last, I think, 20 years that we we send. I don't know how this works, so maybe you can explain it better. But the city sends the uh, Madison money every year and that has increased every year. But the money that we're getting back has been the exact same amount. So is the reasoning that we're focusing on raising the sales taxes because the state won't give us more money and that's where the issue is coming from? Or how do we get to the point where this is our only solution is the sales yeah. tax? And, and, and you, you explained it very well. Uh, it's a system called uh, shared revenue. And so um, back in 1911, the state of Wisconsin established this rule um, where the local governments would not have a sales tax. Instead, the state uh, government would collect all the sales taxes uh, in a pot and they would disperse those monies, those dollars back to local communities. So then the communities wouldn't be uh, pitted against each other. They wouldn't be competing about, you know, who's got the higher or lower, you know, taxes uh, at, the, at, the, at the local level. The state wanted to make it an even playing field, which is good on its face. And for decades, literally decades, you know, this program shared revenue worked. It did. Um, and then about uh, 25, uh, 30 years ago, excuse me, about 25, 30 years ago, the state sort of reneged on its promise 
it wasn't sending back enough money to keep pace with you know inflation um, that the local governments needed. Uh, and that really put us in a pinch. So this has been a problem that's been building really for about 30 years, for about 30 years. And we were finally getting to the point where um, uh, if we didn't generate additional revenue, that we were going to have to literally cut half of our police department. We were going to have to cut a quarter of our fire department. Our libraries would have all been shuttered and we would have had to lay off hundreds of other city employees who go out and provide services um, to residents across Milwaukee every single day. I mean, services that our residents uh, expect and quite frankly, they deserve. So it wasn't that, you know, I was interested uh, in implementing a sales tax. That was the only thing that was available to us. The state uh, in our negotiations, we were able to get them to boost our shared revenue, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. I mean, when we were in those uh, conversations uh, with the state uh, about you know additional funding uh, opportunities um, for us, you know, they came to find out that um, they were giving us basically uh, $155 million, my numbers are correct, 155 less real dollars than what we would have gotten back in 2000, right? That makes a huge difference wow. for a city for a city like Milwaukee. And to put it in, in another frame uh, this way too, uh, once upon a time, the shared revenue that the city of Milwaukee received back from the state of Wisconsin, it was enough to cover the entirety of the Milwaukee Police Department, which is our largest budget expenditure. It was enough to cover the entirety of the fire department as well, which is our largest, our second largest uh, budget expenditure at the time. Uh, and it was enough to uh, have us to have you know, several million dollars left over that we can invest in streets or you know, other infrastructure or programming uh, or, or the like. Uh, today, it's not even enough to cover the police, right? And so in order for us to keep up the services that people uh, demand and expect and deserve uh, in Milwaukee, the state only opened up this door. They weren't going to give us the increased share of revenue that we should have gotten. And I wish that they did. I wish that they did because we wouldn't even have been in this situation, but they weren't. But we, this is you know, about leadership again, and we had to make the decision to do this so that we wouldn't have that future where half of the police would be gone, which would have had a devastating public safety impact in Milwaukee. Uh, more than a quarter of the fire department would have been gone, which again, would have had a devastating uh, public safety impact in Milwaukee. And I mean, you know, you're talking about you know, the Silver Spring Neighborhood Center and the services there. There's a lot of people across the city who use our libraries, you know, from kids to adults and seniors and the like. All of that would have been gone. All of that would have been gone. And that was a future that I think that most Milwaukeeans did not want to see. And so, yes, we implemented the sales tax to save those services in Milwaukee. From a mayor point, from a political standpoint, is there anything that we can do to start fighting back against the state? Because I've literally I don't know much about politics. I've been learning it at, like in journalism. But from what I've always known is been Milwaukee and Wisconsin. It's never been, like when you ask somebody where they're from, they say Milwaukee first, yeah. then Wisconsin, because I really feel like we're a separate like island. So what can, is there anything we can do to like get back some of our power or like we just got to keep, like what do we do? <laughs> well, uh, so in the past uh, uh, decade plus, uh, Republicans in uh, the state government, uh, they've had these maps that they've brought on, which have been gerrymandered, unfortunately. Um, and look, gerrymandering is bad. Like it's it's bad. Period. It doesn't matter if Republicans do it. Doesn't matter if Democrats do it. And um, you know, Democrats have done it in Illinois and New Jersey and in Maryland and other places. And that's bad. 
Um, and Republicans have done it as well in other states, including right here in Wisconsin. So it, I, I kind of you know smack both parties that engage you know, in that activity because it dilutes the voice of voters and uh, it promotes the extremes of either party to, to hold control uh, of government, which I think is just is, is bad. That's what happened uh, here in the state of Wisconsin, where Republicans for the past decade, they've had an iron grip uh, on state government, at least in the legislature. And of course, for some of that time, they had a Republican governor as well. So they could do what they want without consequence. Um, and so for us to be able to fight back, yeah, we need maps that reflect the will of voters, right? Uh, not the will of politicians choosing their voters. Um, and so, for instance, when you look at uh, elections in the state of Wisconsin, um, generally in the past you know, uh, couple of elections, whether, whether it's presidential, whether it's gubernatorial election, other statewide elected offices, uh, Democrats tend to win. So how can it be that a Democrat wins statewide, right? So there are more Democrat votes coming out um, uh, across across the state but then when you look at control of the legislature, the number of districts, Republicans blow them out of the water and have these massive majorities that Democrats can't even, you know, uh, get footing to get bills passed. That's because there's something wrong with the system as it is. So um, the Supreme Court uh, right now uh, has declared that the uh, maps uh, in the state of Wisconsin are unconstitutional, uh, that they are gerrymandered. And so that'll present an opportunity for us to be able to fight back. Uh, one of the things that I used to tell my constituents when I was uh, alderman, when I was your alderman, probably, so, <laughs> uh, when I was uh, alderman, was, look, if folks dislike uh, what's happening uh, from Madison and the way that it affects Milwaukee, you should reach out to your friends, your family, your acquaintances who live in other communities around the state, because they're probably represented by a Republican in the legislature, and let them know that their policies are negatively impacting uh, their quality of life here in Milwaukee. So if you have, you know, uh, a, a best friend, if you have a, an aunt or an uncle or somebody who lives uh, in a district elsewhere in the state represented by a Republican, you know, have them as their constituent to reach out and say, hey, you know, what you're doing is bad and it's negatively impacting my family member who lives in the city of Milwaukee. Like that's a way to, to sort of, you know, fight back against this stuff until such time as we have fairer maps, which I think will yield to fairer results for folks in Milwaukee and across the state of Wisconsin. Thank you for breaking that down because, I, man, I, I just just watching it from afar is just it's very frustrating. And sometimes, like you said, especially with young people, we don't always feel like we got a voice. And, like, I voted for, like, however long. And I'm like, we still like we still are poor. Like, no matter, like, what we do, no matter how many businesses come, no matter economic development, the books are winning. Most of the city is still poor, and it's so frustrating. Um, so it's nice to know that, like, someone cares. I mean, we have we have a lot of people that care. Um, going back to the sales tax. So it says, um, how how does this work? So it says about $193 billion could come from an increase in the sales tax. So like, how how does that work? Yeah, so the sales tax, and, and I think it's important for us to um, recognize that these are generalities right now because there has not been a local sales tax. Remember mm -hmm. I told you, going back to 1911, you know, you know the state had the, the, the sales tax um, almost exclusively. There are some exceptions. Some areas of Wisconsin have what's called a premier resort area tax or frat tax um, uh, to help out because you've got a lot of visitors who come there. Places like Wisconsin Dells, think about that. Um, Rhinelander, where there's a lot of folks who go up there for snowmobiling and stuff like that. They have a localized uh, tax in their municipality because they get a lot of tourists coming. You know, for us in the city of Milwaukee, you know, like a quarter of all people who visit the state of Wisconsin, they come to Milwaukee. 
right? So in essence, we should have been in line for something like that uh, too. Um, but since we had not had that, this is a projection from the, the State Department of Revenue that stands up these local taxes about how much our local sales tax would generate the city of Milwaukee. And what they projected is that uh, about $193 million will come to the city of Milwaukee because of uh, the sales tax that we've now implemented that we then will be able to use again to save the services that we talked about uh, before. What you uh, what does the future of Milwaukee look like for you with this new implement of the sales tax? Yeah, so uh, for me, I, and and I've already introduced you know a budget for 2024. We just went through the budget process starting in September um, that I introduced. The County Council had a couple of amendments, and as of January 1st, uh, that budget uh, is now uh, in effect. Um, some of the things that uh, we'll be able to utilize uh, that sales tax, that additional sales tax revenue that's coming uh, to us uh, to use uh, is to keep libraries open in Milwaukee, right? Again, those libraries across the entire city, they're going to be shuttered. We wouldn't, we basically would not even have a library system uh, in the city of Milwaukee. That is more than just about checking out books. Like it, the, the library is, is a safe, it's a safe space. Uh, it's a place where people go for refuge when it's really hot. Uh, it's a place for parents to take kids. It's a place where people go to uh, get computer literacy skills. It's a place where people go to uh, spruce up their resumes to apply for work. It's really a wonderful utility uh, in our community. It's a place where students go uh, in high school and college and otherwise to, to study in a quiet, safe place. Um, the library is more than just about checking out books. Um, so we're able to keep that service open for Milwaukee residents, which I think is great. Another thing that uh, we're able to do is transfer our city employees over to the Wisconsin retirement system and not have, or do a soft close rather, on our local uh, pension system. Uh, the city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County were the only two local governments in the entire state of Wisconsin that had their own retirement systems. Uh, now we're doing a soft close on that, meaning that we're not accepting new uh, enrollees uh, into uh, those retirement systems. And now uh, our new employees, as of you know, January 1st, will go into the state of Wisconsin retirement system, which is one of the best uh, and well-funded retirement systems uh, in the entire United States. So uh, so that's another thing. And look, people in Milwaukee, um, like people everywhere, they're concerned about public safety. It doesn't matter what neighborhood I go to as mayor. Um, and I would dare imagine that any community you go to, folks want to make sure that they're safe. Um, and so for us, there have been reductions year over year because the state wasn't giving us enough money back in shared revenue. So there have been reductions in the number of police officers and the number of firefighters uh, in the city of Milwaukee. The new sales tax will put us in a position where we're able to finally start adding more police officers back and adding more firefighters back uh, in the city of Milwaukee. So those are some of the things that we do. Um, controversy around police, we won't dive deep into it, but do you think, or is there a way to provide funding from the city to explore other routes other than only increasing uh, police officers. I do think they're beneficial, but I don't think that's like the only way to protect the city. Do you have any ideas on different routes or other ways we can get public safety? Make it better? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'll be the first one to tell you that public safety uh, cannot come just from policing. I mean, and you wouldn't just need to take my word for it either. I mean, the, the chief of police will tell you that too. Uh, it cannot be just one entity. It cannot be just one person. It cannot be just one mayor, one police chief, one department uh, that addresses the issue of public safety. Um, that's why, even before this question, I talked about 
not just our Earn and Learn program. That's why I talked about Camp Rise and creating that. That came out of a public safety need and addressing reckless driving and young people who would be recruited into stealing cars and driving recklessly and endangering themselves in the greater community. We said, no, we need to find another way to do that. And so we went in there and created that program uh, as a public safety program, essentially, right? So those 200 young men, and now 250, because there's 50 girls uh, area who are part of it too. Um, yeah, that was the biggest complaint that we got that girls. Yeah, because I, I will um, say there are a lot of programs specifically only for men in the city. Yep. And I mean, like, Oh my God, it, it makes, I'm like, where, where are the women? We got pearls, we got a couple, <laughs> but everything is literally like barbershops, camping. Yeah. I literally, I went to middle school and they would take the the boys camping every year. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to go camping until my twenties because they refused to take girls. So mm-hmm. I will say that. And if y'all need my help, I'm that carving stone. Aisha stone is ready to be a part of it, but I definitely want more stuff for our women. Like our well, young girls need it too. Yeah. And, and, and I can appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was a complaint that we got that we realized. Um, I mean, it's, you know, there was the Kia boys. And so there was a, a focus <laughs> on Kia girls too. <laughs> I know there's Kia girls too. And so we said, Hey, you know, we should make space for, for girls to be a part of this too. Um, and so it went from 200 young men to now 250 and 50 girls are part of that uh, cohort um, now as well. So that is public safety. Uh, when I talked about our Hello Summer uh, initiative and pushing information out about the the vast number of resources that we have um, in this community, that's about public safety. Uh, every May, I get together with the youth serving organizations uh, in Milwaukee. We do a press conference to say, young people in Milwaukee and your families, here are all the resources available. We need to do this huge you know, news conference you know, on this uh, every summer. Well, it's been two summers since I've been married. We'll keep doing it. So the notoriety of it will keep on growing, I believe. Um, and we're doing an outreach to the community to say, hey, here are opportunities. These are public safety things, right? Because if you're engaged in something positive, that means you're not engaged in something negative. So that's public safety uh, beyond police. And I talked as well about uh, Safe and Sound being the sort of connective tissue um, here too. So just call Safe and Sound if you are interested in doing something positive, not you know being engaged in something bad. You know, here's an opportunity to do that. And I talked about the Boys and Girls Club, the largest association of which uh, of those rather uh, in the United States, right here in Milwaukee, and they're looking and willing to serve young people uh, in Milwaukee. And it's not just those things, right? Um, uh, you know, folks need access to good paying family supporting jobs. So since I've been mayor, we've been working with Milwaukee Public Schools uh, to work to make sure that young people know that there are good paying family supporting job opportunities in the trades, right? Not, not trying to push every single young person to college, which is great. And I went to, and that was fine for me, but it's not fine for everybody. Everybody's not going to go. And so we're working to make sure that there are opportunities for, for, for young people, especially uh, that way. Uh, and then, of course, uh, there's our initiatives around violence prevention with our Office of Community Wellness uh, and Safety. So it's all of these things working together that make the difference. And you uh, probably know full well that um, uh, there was some reporting that Milwaukee uh, last year snapped the streak of increasing homicides uh, in Milwaukee is because we've had this collaborative approach of working together with all these sectors, not just police, but all these groups working together. And I think that's having an impact in pushing crime overall and especially homicides down in the city. I like how you fact check yourself. You was like, well, I said all these things in here and you laid it out. I like how you clearly did that. <laughs> Love it. You could be a journalist. Yeah. Before we cut off, um, when people listen to this this interview, what do you want them to get from it? I, I want them to know, I mean, on the thing that we've been talking about, right, about the the, the resources that we have uh, in Milwaukee, right? Uh, it takes people to be engaged in them. Like, it's one thing to offer them, but it takes another thing for uh, the hand to be extended back. 
to be uh, involved in this. Like everybody has got to be in the game. It can't just be me talking about these things or us uh, as a city or nonprofit agencies offering them. Like we need folks to be engaged in them. Like we need to find ways to be connected with one another, with one another again uh, in this community. And those are things that I'm interested in doing uh, and that I think uh, can be our strength. We're showing that it's our strength right now um, in Milwaukee. We need to build on that and have more of that um, in this community. And that's what I want for folks to take away from this. Like it's not all doom and gloom uh, in Milwaukee. Our brightest days, I think, are ahead of us. And if we work together, all of us, I think we'll absolutely realize those days. Yeah, we we there, and especially our summers are be popping. So if y'all no listening, reason. y'all gotta come to Milwaukee, man. Like it's it's so much it's so much here. But I I really appreciate you, Mayor. I think it's our best interview we've had um over the years. So I really appreciate you for like diving in and taking my questions. So thank you, and make sure to join us every Tuesday as I interview someone from around the world about the positive things in their life. And remember, in the end, everything will be carved in stone. In the end, everything will be carved in stone.